Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the Bucks Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Bucks Wire editor, Luke Easterling. Uh, everybody's disappointed. You know, we, we played uh, a game that we just didn't make quite enough plays to win. Everybody's ready to play. I mean, um, we just played a good football team and we didn't make enough plays to win. But uh, nobody's heads down. We got a big one coming up next week. So um, we know where we stand and uh, next game's even bigger. It seems like when that offense kind of gets stagnant or when, it, when it's not really rolling, Luke, they can't get it back going, right? It's like when the engine blows, they can't get it back started. What's on the top of your list? Like, what are you most frustrated about about this uh, 27-24 loss of the Rams that now puts the number five seed in a little bit of jeopardy, right? Now they're going to be fighting for that number five seed. What do you think about this? At this point, you, you feel like you're not just fighting for the five seed, but you're fighting for your playoff live here, right? I mean, yeah. you, you're going to host the Chiefs on a short week. You've got four winnable games to finish this season. And I think if any, any Bucks fan who's been a Bucks fan for any stretch of time knows that that's dangerous. Four games against teams you should beat to make sure you get into the playoffs is, is not uh, a recipe for low stress uh, if you're a Bucks fan because they've proven uh, throughout their history that it, they kind of play to their competition sometimes in, in the worst ways. So I don't think Buck fans are feeling very good this morning. You know, yes, it was nice to not get beat 38-3 to on national television this time, but, you know, you had a chance. You had everything in front of you. You had a, a chance to make a statement and say, hey, we're maybe not going to win the division, but we're one of the best teams in the league. We're going to prove it by beating one of the other best teams in the league that's coming off, you know, a win over Seattle. This is a team that's fighting with them for, you know, that playoff seating. And again, man, they just they are a collection of talent that has not figured out who they are as a team. And I think that's the most frustrating thing in week freaking 11. Yeah. To still not have an idea to still have what looks to me again. This is just conjecture. What looks to me like a disjointed offense you know, go back to the offseason when Tom Brady first signed. People were like, how in the world is Tom Brady's style of what he does well, especially at this point in his career, in terms of how he likes to distribute the ball, where he likes to throw it, uh, and how he likes to attack certain areas of the field? How is that going to marry and mesh with Bruce Arians? heavy vertical, you know, push it down the field, no risk it, no biscuit scheme. And I think what we're seeing is that, you know, 11 games into this experiment, there's still a huge disconnect. In my opinion, it looks, you just look at the results, look at how clunky this offense, particularly in the passing game looks. And to, you know, put Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator in there as well. He's the one calling the plays. This relationship that was supposed to, it was talked up all off season about this collaboration between these three guys and how it was going to be so exciting and such a great opportunity. They still haven't figured it out yet, man. It, it looks bad, it, especially against good defenses. I mean, Aaron Donald didn't appear on the stat sheet. He did nothing from a statistical point of view. And the Bucks still managed, what, 260 yards? A little less than that total all night? I mean, it was just frustrating to watch, man. The, the Brady's two interceptions were absolutely egregious. Terrible just horrible throws. throws. Oh, I mean, yeah, bad. he got hit on the one, but it was still a bad read. Fuller, I don't know if it was just Fuller fooling him, which, fun note about Fuller, by the way, Ohio State guy picking off a Michigan guy twice. <laughs> Rookie, 199th overall pick in the uh, 2020 NFL draft. 20 years ago, obviously, Brady that. was the 199th pick in, in his crazy. draft. But That's crazy. 
Man, just a frustrating game all the way around. And again, in the second half, the defense made adjustments, kept giving the ball back to the offense, whether it was turnovers or, or getting big stops. And then at the end of the game, what more could you possibly want than to have, you know, a little over two minutes, Tom Brady with a timeout and plenty of time to drive down the field and at least tie the game. And what is it, two, three plays, and he overthrows Cam Brate by 10 yards and throws an interception to lose the game. Like, I just – plenty of blame to go around, man, but but just a frustrating performance from Brady in, in a key moment in a game really the Bucks really needed to have. Brady was terrible in this game, no doubt. It was probably one of the worst games I've seen him play. And I think you hit on it, Luke. You hit on exactly some of the things I put in my notes. And ESPN had a cool graphic in the post game that they put on. Brady's completing – 55% of his passes down the field, so that's 15 yards or more, with four touchdowns and no picks in the games the Bucks have won. So when it's going well, the downfield vertical passing game is going is fine. 55% going down the field, that's good. In the Bucks' losses, he's completing 25% of those throws with a 5.9 average, no touchdowns, and four picks. So that just signals to you when it's not going, right, when they're not hitting those throws maybe early in the game, when they don't have that down-the-field rhythm, or when they're playing a defense that has a clue, it's just not working, and they don't have an adjustment. And I look at, doesn't that signal like a lack of awareness by your coaching staff? And you, you brought up Leftwich, and I, and I heard them, one of the Bucks reporters brought up Leftwich as well, said, Bruce, do you want to take over the play calling? And it's an interesting point. Like, you have to adjust. You have to. You can't just keep chucking it down there if it's not working and Brady's getting frustrated and the offense is going three and out every time, right? You have to come up with something different. It just seemed like they had no answer, no adjustment. The down-the-field thing wasn't working, and it's just like, oh, we'll just throw our hands up, and it's just not going to happen today. And that's that's the hardest part to swallow, right? That there was just no adjustment, no like, no thing to get it going in that second half. It was just like you watched it, and you're like, they don't have a chance. Like They're just not going to get it going today. It's just, this is just what it is. The only play that the Bucks offense had of 20 yards or more was a pass interference penalty. <laughs> That's a good stuff. Brady didn't have a completion longer than 18 yards. Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans all averaged less than 10 yards a catch. Gronk had two for 25. I think he, he had the highest average at 12.5. Going into this game, it was all about you know, Brady's the guy who's been on prime time. He he can kind of hopefully, you know, rise to the occasion because he's done it a million times. And what are the other guys going to do? Honestly, man, the results were the other way around. The guys who haven't been there showed up. Levante David showed up. Mike Evans showed up. Chris Godwin showed up. These guys made plays when they had their opportunity. And it was the GOAT who was the GOAT. Uh, you know, like uh, he... He didn't make it happen. He did not have a great night. The protection wasn't even really that bad against one of the better defensive fronts in the league. It just, it was so frustrating. It's just, just what a, a missed opportunity. And again, like you said, you have to be able to make adjustments. Just like the Bucks got, fans got frustrated with the defense against the Saints continuing to play soft zones. They did the same thing in the first half against this game. I, I just want to shake Todd Bowles and say, you know, you can play press man for four quarters. You can actually just do this from the beginning and maybe not, you know, play from behind all the time. I, you know, it's, it's definitely doable, but the offense has got to be a, a huge sticking point. You know, obviously going into the Chiefs game, they've got to figure something else out because uh, right now it feels like Brady wants to play a certain way. You know, Arians and Leftwich have a scheme that's built to work a completely different way, and this is the stuff that should have been figured out in training camp. No doubt. This stuff should have been ironed out months ago. So the fact that you're in position to make a playoff run but you're being held back by elementary stuff. Again, just looks that way to me. You know, the fact that that's still a problem in November going into December is a huge red flag for, for the Bucks in their playoff chances. Now, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. How 11 weeks in have you not figured this thing out? So let's pick that up on the other side. We'll be right back. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. 
sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from thehuddle.com. Corey Bonini with thehuddle.com here to talk to you about fantasy football strong plays entering week 12. New York Giants quarterback Daniel Jones returns from his bye week to face a team that is emotionally deflated after losing quarterback Joe Burrow. The Bengals have given up three 30-plus point games in the last five weeks and one that was nearly 22 points. This matchup is 32.3% better than the league average over the last five weeks, and it offers Jones a chance to redeem himself after what has been pretty much a horrid second year. Gamers will have to act fast on this one because it's a Thanksgiving Day game. Baltimore Ravens running back Gus Edwards is in line to see the bulk of the touches after J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram were placed on the COVID-19 list. The upside for Edwards is he faces a team that allowed 16 carries, 87 yards, and a touchdown to him in Week 8. The downside is Pittsburgh's been pretty good against running backs all year long. Anytime you have a guy who has an opportunity for the lion's share of work, it's worth getting him into the lineup. Indianapolis Colts rookie wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr. versus the Tennessee Titans. These teams met in Week 10, and Pittman posted 7 catches, 101 yards, but he didn't find the end zone. He did make it into the end zone last week, however, for his first pro touchdown. Pittman has averaged 6 targets in the last 3 games and he's produced wide receiver three or flex territory numbers. He's only getting more comfortable in the offense and now he has one of the finest matchups of the year facing him in week 12. Minnesota Vikings tight end Irv Smith Jr. faces the Carolina Panthers. Prior to suffering a groin injury a couple weeks ago, he was on the right track and was heating up. Now he gets a chance to rebound facing one of the worst defenses of his position. Carolina has given up seven different performances of at least 10 PPR points in the last six games against tight ends and all five of the touchdowns allowed this year have come in the last eight contests. Smith is risky but there's plenty of upside to be found here. For all of your fantasy football tips, information, news, and advice, be sure to check out thehuddle.com. Luke, you mentioned uh, the receivers and just the yards and the average yards per catch just not being there in this game. And I think Antonio Brown is a really great example, right? 13 targets, 8 catches, 57 yards. That's just not efficient. You're going to pepper him with 13 targets. And I know he dropped one down the field. That was probably one of Brady's best throws of the game, right? Brady had a nice downfield throw that glanced off AB's fingers. AB made that catch in his sleep with Pittsburgh. So maybe that was a little rust there because that thing was was right there. That was a good throw. But 13 targets, 8 catches, 57 yards for AB. So you're targeting AB more than, well more than Mike Evans, well more than Godwin, Gronk, all these guys. You're targeting this guy a lot now. We've seen it, his target share and his catches go up each week. If you're going to target him, you got to be more efficient, though. 13 targets, 8 catches, 57 yards, that's not going to get it done. Not in this offense. No, it's not. And, and honestly, if you look at the other guys, like I said, not nobody else averaged more than 10 yards a catch except for Gronk, and he only had a couple of catches. So, And it's one thing to acknowledge that Jalen Ramsey is one of the best corners in the league. Darius Williams is playing out of his mind this season. But Jordan Fuller, the guy that picked him off, is a, is a sixth-round rookie. Like Brady <laughs> just was not seeing the field last night. Both of those interceptions were just terrible and especially the second one situational awareness you have just under two minutes to go you have a timeout you're already at like the 40 your own 40 you're getting close you're fine you have plenty of time you do not need to be chucking the ball down the seam to Cameron Brait when you have all those weapons all that time all those opportunities in front of you it just it did not look like a 20-year veteran last night it didn't look like a guy who should be as comfortable against any defense. All we talked about all off season, Ryan was there's not a defense that Brady's ever, you know, not seen. He's seen it all. He knows how to adjust. He knows how to do everything. Where was that last night? Because he was getting schooled by a sixth round rookie on the back end, not seeing the field. Well, not knowing where to go to the ball, not knowing in what situation 
We talk about Byron Leftish and the play calling. What about that fourth and one? You have a, a quarterback that excels at the quarterback sneak. If you can't get a, a yard, even just running the ball, handing it off, I don't get why you're there in the first place. You run this weird rub route where you're trying to attack Jalen Ramsey and you're rolling Tom Brady out. (laughs) Not a good call. They deserved that. They deserved that result. That play call absolutely deserved to blow up in their face because they're just – I go back to – my dad actually will tell me this. He says we the Bucs go Lane Kiffin mode, which harkens back to the – I think it was the first college football playoff when Alabama got beat by Ohio State because they had Derrick Henry in the backfield and decided, you know what, let's let Blake Sims throw the ball 40 times. And they they lost. They, they, they forgot what got them there. They forgot the horses they have. And in that moment, that's one of those moments where you're just like, what are you doing? You're, you're just trying to get too cute with this. It's fourth and one. Just get the yard. Why are we trying to run rubs and pick plays at the best corner in the NFL? It was just so much, so much blame to go around, man. So many, so many missed opportunities. So many guys that just didn't execute their job, coaches, players alike. Yeah, it was a head scratcher. That fourth and one was a definite head scratcher. And I, I like what you said about the last throw, the interception. It's second and ten. Plenty of time. There's no reason to overthrow Cameron Braid of all people. And Mike right? Evans was wide open. Oh man. yeah, of Mike course. Evans was there. But you know what? You mentioned Aaron Donald, and I just I can't help but go back, Luke, as I'm working through this game. When Brady was with the Patriots with Josh McDaniels. Their game plan would have just been so much different for a team that rushes the passer just like that. It would have been all within 10 yards, all quick passes. And I think even though that Aaron Donald didn't get to Brady, didn't really get in the box score, didn't sack him, didn't really hit him, didn't really do much, he was still kind of around Brady all game. If you watch the replays, Brady would throw the ball and Donald would be right there next to him. Now, he wasn't getting there. He wasn't getting home. He wasn't really putting a hit on him. But he was always kind of around Brady, just letting him know, like, hey, I'm here. You guys are double teaming me and stuff, but I'm I'm here, you know, and... Brady knows it. He knows Aaron Donald's there. And he's just, he can't help himself. In this offense, you know, Arians left, which they want him to hold the ball and go down the field. And he knows in the back of his mind, Aaron Donald's coming for him, right? And it's just a matter of time. And I think you talk about that disconnect. I just guarantee you, that's just my opinion, but I guarantee Brady would have loved everything to be within 10 yards. Boom, boom, boom. Let's hit Scotty Miller. Let's hit Antonio Brown on quick hitters. Let's do some wide receiver screens with uh, Godwin and do this slants and stuff. Let's do all this stuff. You know, then let's take a shot with Mike Evans down the field. I-, I don't think he wanted to hold the football against the Rams, and I think that was in his head because you're right. He was like a lost puppy in that second half. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and again, with that much talent on that side of the ball, and again, when you do protect well enough to take advantage of that, he would have had plenty of time to get rid of the ball if you're running those quicker routes. But again, this is just never what Bruce Arians' offense has been. It's never been that type of situation. Uh, So Brady is probably just trying to adjust on the fly and do the best he can in the moment. But again, that is inexcusable in Week 11. It's absolutely inexcusable to still be having that kind of disconnect between the way you're quarterback wants to play and the way the offense is schemed 11 12 weeks into the season it's just you can't have it man and i do want to say before we move on to the chiefs because <laughs> this that's a that's a nice opponent to have on deck luke right the chiefs i do want to say i did like mike evans's game last night just jalen ramsey trying to do everything he can to get in his head and i remember that one play distinctly where ramsey kind of gave evans a little extra after the play when he he hit evans he gave him a pretty decent shot but it wasn't that great of a hit. It wasn't like he blew him up. It wasn't like the greatest NFL hit. No one's going to have that on a, you know, a highlight reel or anything. It was just a normal NFL hit. And Ramsey, like, kind of showboats afterwards and kind of gives Evans a shrug. And Evans doesn't even look at him, just walks back to the huddle. And then the very next play, like, annihilates the entire defense, carries tacklers into the end zone. I kind of like that. You know, I didn't know much about Mike Evans before I started covering the team with you this year. Now we're 13 weeks into our podcast, so I've seen a lot of Bucks football and studied a lot of Bucks football now. And I kind of like his game. I, I think he's... 
we, we talk, we joke around about Antonio Brown maturing. Like, this is a mature guy who gets it, I feel like, Mike Evans. So I just, I liked his game. I like how he carried himself. And I thought he deserved better last night for sure. And listen, we'll say this about Mike. First of all, anybody who's been around this team for any any number of, of years, especially Mike's career, he is somehow more impressive off the field as a human being, uh, as a person in the community here than he is on the field. And he's a Hall of Fame wide receiver, in my opinion. So that just tells you how much I think he's respected as, as a person uh, in the locker room, as a teammate, uh, as a leader. I think if Bucks fans are honest and they really compare, he's probably the best offensive player in franchise history. Um, obviously, this franchise had a lot of lean years, but I mean, he's as consistent. He's dominant when the ball is coming his way. Uh, and again, this is a guy, you talk about that maturity. He wasn't always that guy. Go back a couple of years, the situation in New Orleans, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where Marshawn Lattimore's, you know, pushing Jameis Winston around. Mike Evans goes out of nowhere and just destroys him after the play in the <laughs> I back. Remember gets that. suspended yes. for it. I mean, so, so, so this has been a, a maturation process for Mike understanding, listen, I can't help my team. If I'm overreacting, if I'm not controlling that aggression and, and, and putting it towards the team goal. And so just kudos to Mike for continuing his growth as, as a player, a teammate, a person, uh, because he's he's one of the best in the game. He's one of the best to ever do it uh, in a Buccaneers uniform. And I think when all is said and done, uh, there will be a if if the guys who deserve it get in, Mike, Mike Evans will have a gold jacket when he's done. Yeah, I think before the year, I would have been like, what? Right? Mike Evans Hall of Fame, but I'm starting to get it now. So uh, Brady and the Bucks, they don't lose back-to-back games, Luke, but there's a good team coming in to Tampa uh, next week. Let's get into that one coming up next. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, happy Thanksgiving from Sportsbook Wire and BetSlip and Podcast. I'm Eston McLaren, joined by Jeff Clark to break down all you need to know to bet on the Week 12 Monday Night Football game between the Seattle Seahawks and Philadelphia Eagles. The Seahawks come in on the road, minus 250 Moneyline favorites. They're laying five points at minus 110 odds. The Eagles, plus 205 on the Moneyline, plus five-point dogs at home, minus 110 odds again, over under 51 and a half. Jeff, how are you feeling? Do the Eagles have any chance of keeping up with Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks? Nope. And you could talk the rest of the time. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm, I'm taking the Seahawks minus five. Uh, Russell Wilson and Carson Wentz are on the complete opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of performance. Um, Russell Wilson was flirting with an MVP run. Maybe not so much anymore. Carson Wentz leads the NFL in interceptions. It's all bad news over there in the city of brotherly love between Doug Peterson, um, the GM, Howie Roseman, and Carson Wentz. A lot of people are in trouble over there if they don't get this game in, or if they don't win this game, and I'll take the Seahawks minus five. Minus 110 odds for the Seahawks to win by at least six points. I'm going to parlay that with the over 51 and a half, minus 106 odds, so a little bit better value there. Seattle and the over 51 and a half odds from BetMGM. Subscribe to BetSilvan Podcast on your favorite app. Please be sure to rate and review. Luke, the Bucks open as underdogs at home to the Chiefs. I don't think we're surprised by that one bit. What do you think about this matchup? Mahomes coming in. The Chiefs were obviously mad at the Raiders, and they took that out on them last week. They're one of the top teams in the AFC, the defending Super Bowl champs, and the Bucks are kind of licking their wounds now off another tough loss. They're really good coming off of losses. What do you think? What's your leadoff take on this matchup with the Chiefs? It's 
This is one we've kind of had circled all year, right? Brady, Pat Mahomes, they've had some good battles over the years. You just wish the Bucks had a little bit of a tighter ship right now going into this one. There seems like there's a lot more questions than answers going into this game against, you know, a well-oiled machine like the Chiefs. What do you think about it? Yeah, I think, you know, a few things. First of all, when you look at the results from a week from this past week, I think Bucks fans are probably happy that the Chiefs won. They don't want a pissed off Chiefs team coming off a second loss to the Raiders, right? You'd rather kind of have them riding high a little bit, maybe a little overconfident. Sure. And you are coming off a loss, which again, the Bucks have not had a losing streak this year. They've, you know, been very strong coming off of losses. Um, so that helps you. And and honestly, I think the the Bucks perfect world hope to this game is is what their recipe was against Green Bay. Uh, you know, going into that Green Bay game, I don't think a lot of people gave them much of a shot. Uh, and a, a, after a quarter and it's 10 nothing, and you've punted twice and Aaron Rodgers has scored twice, you know, it's not looking good, right? But that was a 425 national game in Tampa and the Bucks bounced back and they responded. They scored 38 straight points and shut them down. And if you look at the way these two teams talking about Green Bay and Kansas City are built, they're very similar in terms of what they do well and what they don't do well. So you have an elite quarterback, Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. You have a ground game that has talented players, versatile players that can that can run the ball, they can catch the ball out of the backfield. They have talented receivers. They have one receiver that's really, really good. You had Devontae Adams. You have Tyree Kill this time. After that, it's a little sketchy. Right. Um, you have a tight end that can make plays. Obviously, you know, Robert Tunyon is no Travis Kelsey, but the similarities are there where the where the, the Packers struggled was on defense. And, and I think injuries played a, a part in that, but their defense is nowhere near the level of their offense. And I think the Chiefs are built the same way. That's where they struggle, uh, particularly against the run. So if the Bucks are able to kind of take that blueprint and kind of impose their will a little bit on offense, I think everybody was surprised how well they played uh, that explosive Packers offense and really frustrated Aaron Rodgers all afternoon in that game. If they're able to do at least a little bit of that and and control the ball by by pounding the ball and, and having success running the ball against a team that really struggles to stop the run. That's what I think Bucks fans are hoping for. I don't think a 38 to 10 game is in the cards necessarily, but if the Bucks are going to win this game, there's definitely a blueprint to do it and it's what they did against the Packers. And I think that's a great comp Luke. I think it's perfect. I think because I think we're going to see Brady put the cape back on. He's going to be good. The offense is going to be great in this game. I guarantee you the offense is going to bounce back. But you think back to that Packers game, what turned it? It was the defense that turned it, right? The defense made plays. The defense shut down Aaron Rodgers. Nobody had even come close to shutting down Aaron Rodgers up to that point. The Bucks put their foot down and said, nah, we're done with this. We're done with our little skid. Like The Bucks defense was, wasn't playing great football for some reason. All of a sudden, they turned it back around and reminded us that they're one of the best defenses in the league, which I think they are. They still are. But we're coming off a game which Jared Goff just completed 76 of his passes. I don't think he threw an incomplete pass in the first half, Luke. He just shredded the Bucks in that first half. It was out of control. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, they're like wide open on every play. Rams go 8 for 13 on third down. They gain 413 total yards of offense. Bucks got a couple of interceptions in the second half, but this is a nut-up game for the defense, right? They got to come up, stand toe-to-toe with Pat Mahomes and, and that Chiefs offense. The Chiefs offense is awesome, explosive, but they haven't been scoring 45 points a game, right? They're gettable. They're gettable. And this is, if the Bucks win this ball game. I think it's a nut-up game for the defense where they take a similar stand as they did against Aaron Rodgers, and they figure that thing out. And I think it's a perfect and, comp. I think that's what we got to see. And listen, this is, again, look back at the only team that beat the Chiefs and a team that beat, almost beat them again in the Las Vegas Raiders. The the Bucks blew the Raiders out. I, I mean, they they 
were close until early in the fourth quarter. I think it was 24 21 uh, before the Bucks pulled away and ended up winning, I think, 45 to 21 or something like that. I mean, it was close, but they pulled away from that Raiders team. And if that Raiders team can can beat the Chiefs and can play them tight a second time, you know, the Bucks obviously have what it takes. I think we talked about Byron Leftwich and what the offense has to do to get things rolling and get smooth. This game is going to come down very much to the coaching. The execution is important, but Byron Leftwich has to, to, to give Tom Brady the tools to succeed in terms of the scheme and the play calling. And Todd Bowles can't afford to do what he did for the first half against the Rams last night. He can't afford to rush three or four, sit back in soft zones, and just let let Patrick Mahomes carve him up all night. He's got to get after and get home against Mahomes. He's got to be very complex. Again, this is week 11, week 12 now. Your defense in the second year in your scheme, too. A lot of young guys, but guys that have been playing a lot of football in this scheme, they should be at the point where they can handle complex responsibilities in terms of post-snap changes, lining up in one coverage and showing something to Patrick Mahomes in pre-snap and then switching to something else, bringing guys that didn't look like they were coming and, and flipping the field and making him look the opposite way. They've got to, to pull out all the stops in this game. They have got to be as creative and complex as possible on defense and and be physical, man. I mean, the Bucks corners, the top three, Dean, uh, Murphy Bunting, and, and Carlton Davis are all six one six, you know, foot, long arms, physical guys. Get up in these guys' faces and play press man all game long. Send guys after Patrick Mahomes and make him at least try to win with a deep ball. At least try to put the ball in the air and make him throw low percentage passes where your guys can make a play on the ball. Don't just let him sit back there and dink and dunk, and especially with the, the way the Bucks struggled tackling after the catch last night. Make them work for it, man. I make Challenge them. Use your, your players' skill sets to their advantage. It's all there for the Bucks. They just have to make it happen. I think this is definitely winnable. Uh, and, and you know what? The only good, the only positive Luke coming out of the loss of the Rams is we got a we got a crispy Luke Easterling for the podcast this week. You know, a little crispy coming off that game. I could I could sense it. So I like that. I like that, man. Uh, but what I got, I, all I got to say is I appreciate you. Like I said, we've been doing this thing for 13 straight weeks now. The podcast it's been a lot of fun uh, getting to know you, getting to know the Bucks. Just want to say, hope you have a great Thanksgiving, you and your family. I know it's a weird ass year this year, man. I'm not sure if some of your traditions are getting uh, messed up a little bit, but just hope you have a great holiday and everyone listening. Uh, same to you and enjoy some NFC East football on Thanksgiving Day, right? And then look forward to uh, just an awesome game, Bucks Chiefs. And I have a good feeling about the Bucks in this one. But uh, yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you, Luke. Hey, likewise, man. It's definitely going to look uh, a lot different for us this year, but uh, no, nothing less uh, to be thankful for than usual, for sure. So I wish you, wish you and yours all the best as well. Stay safe. And uh, hopefully again next week, we're talking about uh, a Bucks upset. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.